1: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad Heisman trophy winner quarterback from LSU Joe Burrow the number one pick in the NFL draft he goes to the Cincinnati Bengals Bengals just 2 and 14 last season 30th in offense in the NFL remember they took Carson Palmer out of USC back in two thousand three, he was the Heisman winner. He got them into the playoffs a couple of times. Now the Bengals will hitch their wagon to Burrow. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight, Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on six thirty. Ched, with you until eight o'clock. We are going to have some fun this evening after the seven thirty news. Ron Hextall, thirteen year NHL goaltender. Former GM in the league, currently a part-time advisor for the L.A. Kings. We're going to go down memory lane with him, focusing on the 1987 Stanley Cup playoffs. what was the Conn Smythe Trophy winner as MVP of the postseason. He helped the Flyers get to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup final against your Edmonton Oilers. The Oilers did win the series. We will kick it off tonight, though, with a gentleman we have had on the show before. He was very popular during his tenure As an Edmonton Eskimo, he helped the team win the Grey Cup in 2015. And welcome back to Inside Sports, Odell Willis. Odell, you're on with Reed. How are you doing,
2: sir? Hey, Reed. I'm good, man. How you doing, brother? Thanks for having me on. It
1: is nice to catch up with you, and I'm going to ask you the, the question that I pretty much start all the interviews with these days. Let people know where you are and how you're doing through this pandemic
2: man uh well currently right now i'm in the beautiful providence of alberta living down the street from the uh living down the street from commonwealth stadium where i was the mayor and you know i'm just just um you know taking my time being safe and trying to figure out ways i can you know help people in this pandemic
1: well, you know what, Odell? It's too bad that there's social distancing because I also live in the Commonwealth Stadium neighborhood, and I'm broadcasting from home. So if we were allowed to, you could have just come over, and we could have done this. But uh, that's that's okay. So have you? Been, did you? Have you been staying in Edmonton every off season, even since you went to the Lions?
2: Yes, sir. You mean, Edmonton's my home. I mean, uh, the city's great here. The fans great here. I found my girlfriend here. So, you know, it's a great place to be, man. And like I said, I've been here every year, every off season since since I've been to Eskimo. And I'm, I'm not trying to leave.
1: Well, it's it's crazy what's going on, and we're going to bring in a, a colleague and a friend of yours in a couple of minutes to to let uh, people know about something that you're you're getting rolling here. But how has it been for you as uh, as a pro athlete, a guy who's in awesome physical condition? How has it been for you trying to stay in shape over the last month or so?
2: Oh man, it's. Yeah. It, it's a it's a task it's a it's a it's a it's a hard task because you know the gyms are closed and, you know guys of our nature you know we like to lift weights and throw our own weights i mean for a lot of skilled guys receivers, you know they they probably like it, it doesn't matter to them they want to get outside and just run routes and <laughs> do cone drills but for big guys like us that need to push around that weight it's been hard because you know, you can only do so many push-ups, sit-ups. Uh, you know, where for, for Canadian uh, athletes now, it's finally been warm up enough, enough where we can go outside and get some cardio in. So it's just been a tough task, but, you know, you just have to find ways to try to stay in shape and be ready when when everything uh, go up and running. And maybe there's an extra layer
1: of of uncertainty and waiting for you because you you are uh, you are a free agent, so you, you've kind of uh, you, you kind of don't even know when a team might want to talk to you because they don't know when they're going to need to have a team and when the season is going to start. Exactly.
0: So
2: you know it's real hard. I mean, I've just been telling guys, you know. Expect to be uh, expect to uh, train for a year and a half. You know, expect to turn your mind into a, to an Olympian athlete where, you know, they have to train three to four years just for the Olympics. So, you know, I just look at it as a small Olympic task. you know, because if it don't happen, I'm just relatively speaking, I hope it happens. But if the season don't happen, that means guys are going to have to train all the way to next May.
1: Yeah. Well, you're right. We don't know when we're, we're going to get back at it. I, I got to ask you for a quick look back on uh, on the Lions' uh, previous season. You know, I had Mike Riley on a couple of weeks ago. It was so tough for him. Uh, he got hit a lot, uh, obviously got injured a, at a game late in the season here in Edmonton. It just seemed last year, Odell, you guys, you, you just fell into that deep hole in, in the first third of the season. That, that must have really affected the rest of the journey.
2: I mean, you know, what what it was, in my opinion, was that I felt like we were just young, and what we expected to happen didn't happen. I mean, we wanted our offense to carry us until, you know, the defense, you know, catch up towards the middle of the season, and the season started, and it was just, we were sinking. The boat was sinking from, from day one. I mean, we did our best to fight back and to try to keep it afloat, but... Blue we just, like you said, we got in the hole too early, and we just couldn't seem to make it back to the top.
1: Yeah, Odell Willis joining us, former Edmonton Eskimo, last couple of seasons with the BC Lions. On tonight, uh, along with one of his buddies and colleagues, certified trainer Regis Ball, who we're going to bring in tonight as well. Regis, you're on with Reed Wilkins here at six thirty. Chet, how are you doing,
3: sir? Hey, what's going on, Reed? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I'm trying to stay safe. Yeah, where are you, Regis? Regis.
1: Are you in town here, too, or where are you, Regis?
3: Oh, I'm at, I'm, at, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, um, down in the States. I'm not in Canada right now.
1: Okay. Now, how do you and Odell know each other? What's the story
3: here? Odell's actually, uh, we actually work out together. We train together. Uh, my dad. Uh, he he's a, a personal and conditioning coach and trains a lot of athletes uh, from high school to the pros, all different uh, different different sports. And Odell happened to be one of the one of the guys been been working out with us for about 10 years plus, honestly. And uh, and that's that's basically how we met. You know, I got a uh, I got a couple of shots to play uh, in the CFL. And, you know, since then we've been, we've been, we kept in touch. Now,
1: as you probably know, Odell has a lot of energy and, and sometimes he talks a lot. Are you the quiet one in this friendship?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm the quiet one. I wouldn't say I'm the quiet one, but Odell definitely has a personality, <laughs> personality out of this world. But uh, I wouldn't say I'm the quiet one. I'm, I'm more of an observant. I'm the jokester. Uh, I like, I like to joke a lot. Uh, but uh, definitely
1: not a quiet one. <laughs> all right. Well, th- this is cool to have you guys on the show, Regis. Uh, and I want to talk about what you guys are, are doing here together. But I should just get a little more history for, on you. Uh, was it Memphis you played ball at?
3: Yes, sir. University of Memphis. Tigers all day. Bleed blue.
1: Right on. Okay. And, and uh, in the CFL, I'm, I'm trying to remember here, was it the Rough Riders you were with for a while? Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
3: Okay. Oh the Rough Riders.
2: Okay.
1: Popular as, team, as, as you may Marty
2: have heard.
1: Oh, <laughs> right. Okay. Perfect. Okay, so tell tell fans here, and I'll let whoever wants to uh, jump in to do it. You, you got two pro football players. What are you guys trying to do here to connect with people and, and, uh, and keep them going during the pandemic?
3: So during, yeah, we uh, all got to stay at home and you know we we can't really get outside to get to the gyms and stuff we actually bringing this this dog food program it's actually strength and conditioning program that we actually use for our athletes and for all ages all sports but we want to bring it to the people at home you know where they can use if they don't have anything they can use some household things that they have around the house to get a good 45 to 50 minute hit workout in to burn some calories and feel good you know to clear their head and, you know, just just to feel a lot better about themselves during all this that's this going on because staying at home, as, as we all see, it can drive some people crazy. So where can people f- <coughs> find
1: this? Is this somewhere online they can go get the, all this info?
2: Yes, they can yeah, go online. We currently... and... You got it. Oh, got yeah, it. my uh-huh. bad, it. Uh, we currently uh, we're currently building the website right now, so they can see the uh, so they can uh, get a preview of all the uh, workouts. And we're in the process of a week of a week from now of going live with it. So everybody's being stuck inside. So you know everybody's on their phone. Everybody's on their computer, just looking up things, trying to figure out stuff to do. So. We want to come up with a uh, a live program where they could just take 40 50 minutes out of their day. And like Regis said, you know, pick up a band or any household, you know, household thing laying around like a water bottle or a can good. And they could just, they can get this strength and conditioning program live. We'll give it to them live. Me and Regis, uh, you know, social media is so big right now. So, you can actually go live on social media and that's what we're that's what we're doing where people can see the exercises live and they can follow along and they can join with us for an hour to feel good.
1: And okay, so give everybody, sorry, the the, the website and the link for this guys.
2: Uh, you can uh, that, uh go ahead, Regis. Yeah,
3: yeah, you can follow you can follow us on Instagram. Um, my Instagram is ballgames. 404 okay ball game 404 all right and then everything we, we can post we'll post everything on the instagram stories and instagram feed so people can follow and links and everything that uh the videos and everything that we'll be doing coming up here shortly okay well that's awesome you guys are doing this and
1: it's so important for for people to stay active and and i think that helps people mentally as much as as physically going through something like this odell is would you whenever you're done playing does doing something like this or coaching where do you think you, you might wind up once you decide that you're like, is this something you'd like to keep pursuing?
2: Uh, actually, it's something I'm already pursuing for the last for the last two years. I've been here in the uh, city training training kids for the off season. Uh, a couple of my kids down at Austin O'Brien. Uh, I got a couple of kids at W. T. Wagner. Uh, I got my one main man, Alex Sinclair. I mean, like I said, I've been just training kids. Me, it's something me and you started because. We wanted to, the the idea was to make the Canadian athlete equal to the American athlete. Because as you know, if a Canadian kid goes play ball down south and come back, he's not, nine times out of ten, he's one of the first guys picked in the uh, Canadian draft. So we were just thinking if we gave kids the training we had from the, from middle school until they went to college, they, w- they would take their game up. Another level that way they could be on the same playing field as the American athlete, and you know, we could just try to make the playing field equal for everybody instead of you know, import versus non import.
1: Yeah, well said for sure. Uh, Odell, as you know, you are a pretty popular Eskimo. I have a, a, a couple of questions from listeners. Are you ready for these? <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah. Let them, let them fly. I'm more. I'm here for them.
1: Uh, Jennifer says, besides football, what is your favorite sport to watch or play?
2: Um, right now, my favorite sport to play besides football, it used to be basketball, but, you know, I'm an older guy, and I don't like just running all down that hardwood because it hurt my joints. So my favorite sport to play right now would be golf. I can't wait till the sun melts, and they open up the golf courses so I can swing my clubs. To watch, uh, I like watching CFL football. I'm a fan of our game. Plus, you know, I'm a fan of basketball and football once the playoffs come around.
1: Regis, what about you? What's your favorite sport
3: other than football? To play, um, honestly, any anything. Uh, I'm I'm basketball. I play basketball. I play tennis. I'm open to try new things. Um, to watch, so definitely playoff basketball. Playoff real playoff basketball. Great. Okay. And here's a
1: fun one for you guys. Odell, I'll start with you. What's your favorite snack during the pandemic?
2: <laughs> Ooh. Favorite snack? Well, I got a, I got a couple of. Well, my favorite candy right now is Jolly Ranchers, the hard candy. I sit around. That's my pet peeve. <laughs> I eat those all day. Uh, favorite snack right now uh, is between uh, fruit bowls. I try to go get up in the morning, and bro- go buy fruit bowls before the grocery store is empty. And I like the Oreo vanilla thin Nits. Those are the best right now, hands down.
1: <laughs> okay. And uh and Regis, what about you? What what is there something you gotta try avoiding? I,
3: I gotta go with the uh I've been tearing up some kettle corn, man. Kettle corn popcorn, man. Kettle corn popcorn. It goes it goes like like every other day I gotta buy another box. Oh, <laughs> amazing. Well, it, it, thanks for checking
1: in, guys, and, and all the best. Uh, so Ballgame404 on Instagram, and uh, if you go to my Twitter account, if you're not already following Odell, you can follow him there as well. Odell Willis, Regis Ball, thanks for checking in tonight. All the best with this new venture. You're welcome back anytime. Take care, guys.
2: Thank you for having us.
1: Right on. Okay, well that's fun. So uh two guys who uh, who played in the CFL and Odell hoping to keep going, trying to to do some things, teach you about ways just kind of around the house you can stay in uh, stay in shape. Pretty cool to talk to them. It is 7:21. It is Inside Sports on 630 Chet, you are welcome to participate. 780-496-0063 is the number to both call and text. Ron Hextall is coming up after the 730 news. We're back after the break. Okay, good to have Odell Willis on the show along with his uh, partner, Regis Ball. They're going to be helping to train some people. Uh, It's funny, Odell Willis mentioned he lives near Commonwealth Stadium, as do I, and I have seen Odell uh, at the rec center at various, it's closed now, but I have seen him at various times uh, training people, so that's cool. He is pursuing that. Ron Hextall coming up between 7.30 and 8.00 tonight. Mm -hmm got a text here for, this is a good one this texter says "Read. i just cut my 10 year old son's hair horrible job horrible experience uh-oh well i commend that individual for doing that i suppose it had to be done i have to tell a bit of a personal story here about a week and a half ago um i uh, i asked my mom if she could kind of just shave my my neck my hair was a little long but it starts to bug me on the back of my neck and gets a little shaggy on the back and uh, she says sure we could do that your dad might help now I I have really bad eyesight so I had to take off my glasses for this haircut and they're kind of working on the back of my neck and trimming a little bit and then they're like well we better just even it out on the top a little bit I'm like okay I mean I'm sitting there I don't know what's going to happen and first of all love my parents so awesome they did this but when I put on my glasses and looked in the mirror, I was horrified. I have not had a haircut this short since I was probably in high school. So it's a good thing I'm, I'm on the radio. It was, it was a little bit alarming to see how short my hair was. But good for everybody who's helping out, whoever you can. And I'm sure many of us are getting haircutting experience and now appreciating the professionals that do it for us every month or two. Absolutely. And I love you, Mom and Dad. Thank you for helping me. Joe Burrow from LSU, first overall in the NFL draft. Going to the Bengals. Washington taking defensive end. Chase Young out of Ohio State, second. The most recent pick, tenth overall out of Alabama to Cleveland offensive tackle, Jedrick Willis. Uh, sorry, Jedrick Wills Jr. We had Carter O'Donnell on the show earlier this week from the U of A Golden Bears. He uh, might go in the NFL draft in a later round, look for Saturday to that, and one week from today is the CFL draft. No doubt he will go very high in that. Okay, well, this is going to be fun. Of course, uh, Sportsnet is uh, replaying over the next couple weeks the 87 Cup final between the Oilers and the Flyers, and a key participant in that series, former Flyers goaltender Ron Hextall. Ron, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing okay. I, I always start my interviews by asking people, how are you doing? But I feel it takes on some extra significance these days. So hopefully everybody in your world is uh, safe and, and healthy and getting through this. Okay.
0: Yeah. Everybody's safe and healthy. I got, uh, both my daughters are in healthcare, but one's on the front line. So, uh, you know, we worry a little bit, but we're also proud of her.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well said. Well, we appreciate you doing this as we're in a pause here for, well, I was going to say pro sports, but really, pretty much all sports. There, there's a lot of reflection and a, and a lot of looking back. The 1987 Stanley Cup Final is one of the series being replayed on Sportsnet over the next two or three weeks. Be- before I look back on that series and that playoff year, I, I wonder, as as uh, as a former NHLer, do you have any interest in going back and watching your old games or your or your highlights? Like, do you are you doing that now? Do you ever do that?
0: No, I d- I don't do that, and quite honestly, um, I would not want to watch Game Seven. That's uh, still a little bit of a painful thing for probably myself and everyone of my teammates back then. So I I stay away from that. I mean, I, I'm not saying that in a joking matter. That is the truth. But I, I don't. In life, I've always been one to sort of look ahead. Okay, what's the next challenge rather than um, look back.
1: Yeah yeah I, I hear a lot of that for from 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 uh, players. they They usually uh, even win or lose, they'd sooner just kind of move on and worry about the the next thing that happened. eighty seven was obviously a breakout year for you. I mean, I mean, you won the Vesna. you were right up there with Robotai and the Calder voting. And Philadelphia had gone through the, the you know the tragedy of of Pelly Lindbergh. What do you remember about becoming the guy for the Philadelphia Flyers this season? I mean, you're playing the most important position on the ice in a very, you know, proud sports city that that uh, you know puts a lot of passion into its sports teams.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, I had a real good year in American League the year before, and we had a real good team. We went to the finals, um, and it was a real growing year for me personally. And then when I came up the next training camp things went well in camp um and bob Froes was coming off a. I think he was a vesna runner-up that year he had a very good year and he was a very good goalie um and then i ended up starting the first game mike keenan made a you know pretty gutsy decision um to start a, a rookie in the first game of the year and it happened to be against edmonton ironically um, so again, kudos to Mike and it just sort of took off from there. I spent two years in the minors, so I felt like I was, uh, pretty prepared for what was ahead. Um, you know, sometimes they put a goalie in young and he, he plays 30 games or 20 games and then kind of grows into a number one role. And the way they handle me was sort of the opposite where, you know, two years in the minors and then come up to. To be the guy and I mean like I said Mike gave me the ball right from the start and unless I dropped it it was mine
1: yeah well you had an incredible season and that that playoff year w- was a really interesting one there were a lot <laughs> of incredible series some comebacks Uh you guys played the New York Islanders in in the second round Kelly Rudy's a regular a guest on my show he joins me once a week so his recollection of that series is, is not going to be as positive as yours uh, but, but 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 they but they took you to to game seven you, you guys had them down 3-1 and kelly and the islanders came back and then you ultimately beat them at home in the seventh game
0: yeah they had a real, they had a real good team and i do i do remember they played that uh epic game against washington i think it was their seventh game i remember that game that went five overtimes or whatever. And then they came in and played us two nights later. And I think we beat them up pretty good in game one. Um, But they were, because they were tired from what they went through two nights earlier, but they were, uh, they were a good team. Um, Yeah. Stretched us right out.
1: Well, it's funny too. I asked Kelly about uh, you and he being teammates on the 87 Canada cup team. And, and you were behind grant. He played, he played the entire series and and Kelly said, Kelly said I wasn't sure I was going to like Ron because he always came across as as kind of aggressive and arrogant as an opponent but he said you guys got along pretty well
0: yeah no I got, I got I have a lot of fond memories about the 87 Canada Cup just being there and being around those great players and really seeing the best hockey that I to this day have ever seen in my life so I get fond memories but I got very fond memories of of Kelly and I hanging out together too we were you know, we were both essentially the backups and, you know, we had a lot of fun together and a lot of laughs and I got to know him and I didn't have any apprehension, uh, about him, right from the start, so I take a little bit of offense to that. But. <laughs> well, but you, you,
1: you—I uh, mean, you—you've probably heard that from other teammates and, and, and probably fans, right? Your your personality on the ice isn't necessarily your personality in the real world. Well, thank the good Lord for that, eh? <laughs> uh, Rod Hextall joining yeah. us tonight on, on Inside Sports. Uh, okay, speaking of some of the rough stuff, the, the Montreal Canadiens in the. The uh, Wales Conference Final in 87. What was your experience of, uh, of the pregame brawl in Game 6 at the Forum?
0: Well, what I, what I recollect was um, one of our trainers ran in the room and said, Chico and, and uh, Eddie are out fighting Corson and Lemieux. It's like, oh boy, here we go. So our guys just started filtering out of the room in a hurry on back onto the ice. Uh, after warmups, I always undid my pads and my skates. So I was sitting there with my pads and my skates undone. So I very quickly tied my skates up, did my pads up. I literally just stood up to go out to the ice. And Mike Keenan walked in the room, slammed the door, and backed himself against the door and said, You're not going out. And all I could hear was the fans in Montreal going absolutely berserk. And I'm thinking, all right, they got an extra guy out there and somebody's getting beat up because I'm not out there. So I pleaded with Mike to let me go out and I promised him I wouldn't fight. I said, Mike, I promise you I won't fight. He said, no, 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 you're not going out. You're too important. You can't go out. So after kind of going back and forth for I don't know how long it was, um, I, I... I listened to what my coach said and, and I I didn't go out. So that was very painful for me and have you ever seen Chico Rash but I remember him walking in the room after the brawl was over and he looked at me sitting there and he goes, "What happened to you?" And I'm like, "Nothing. It was just I guess all the the emotions of not being there for your teammates and thinking that somebody's getting beat up because you're not hanging on to a guy. So it it was a real uh a real emotional time for me, quite honestly. Not not being there and feeling like you're letting your teammates down.
1: Yeah, I I I'd never uh, heard that before, and uh, I don't
0: know if I've ever told that whole thing before.
1: Yeah, well, thanks for that. That's 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 incredible. And, and Mike Keenan was a guy who uh, I guess he was used to getting his way. So. He-
0: uh, yeah uh, yeah no, Iron Mike he, Iron Mike
1: <laughs> Did he cuz I, I I don't know if you remember this but I, I work with Rob Brown on on the Oilers post game show here on 630 30 Oh here we go again uh, No I I've asked you that story before but <laughs> Okay I thought so <laughs> But he he had he had Keenan as a coach too and like he said, Keenan just was like he'd get on you for having a bad warm up, and might bench you if you had a bad warm up. You know, you were the goalie, so there's only two you guys. But did you ever feel like I don't know if, if mind games is the right word, or he did things sort of to keep you on edge?
0: No, he didn't do a whole lot with me, uh, but he certainly did with other guys. He just didn't he didn't want you to let down, not even for a minute. So if he thought that someone was going to let down he would find a way to to motivate them i mean you you listen to a lot of guys and a lot of guys didn't like playing for mike but in the end they say he made me a better hockey player and i know in philadelphia he made our team a better team
1: yeah, well, he he had success everywhere he went. Um, he did. Sometimes he wasn't with the team very long, I guess. So maybe that,
0: maybe. Well, that's yeah. Right. I mean, it, that's that's his style, and he 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 drives you, and he drives you, and he drives you. And certain guys can't handle it. It's just just not in their DNA to be able to go through that day in and day out. And and other guys thrive on it. So, Mike liked when he challenged you, and you'd stand up to him. He because he knew then, if you're in a game seven. You're going to go to battle, and you're going to play well.
1: Yeah, uh, playing the Montreal Canadiens, and I think also in '89, you guys uh, played them in a playoff series, and, and they were able to beat you guys that year. Um, yeah. t- tell me a little bit about the Montreal form and playing against the Canadiens. I mean, they've always had that mystique, but not. But not now. For there are some fans who've never really seen the Canadians be very good, but it was different when you were playing. I think.
0: it it was and you know being being canadian you know hockey night in canada a lot of the games were in montreal and i mean the siren i mean i can remember it from when i was a kid and to this day it's it's special and that building people were right on top of you and they were passionate uh playing a playoff series there you had to be careful kind of where you went because um, everybody knew who you were, even if you were on the other team. But walking into that building, uh, and quite honestly, I grew up hating the Montreal Canadiens, along with the Philadelphia Flyers, by the way. But I grew up not liking them. I remember when Lafleur scored a goal against Boston, whatever year that was, um, being sick to my stomach. Um, but that building was, was special. I mean, you know, they play in a nice building now, obviously, but the forum was special.
1: How come you hated the Flyers when you were a kid before you became one?
0: Well, they beat my dad's teams up and everybody else up, and I don't know. They won. I just, I just didn't, I didn't like them. But it's, it's funny because I, when I got drafted, um, I was actually at work, and it's not like today. And my mother called and said that you've been drafted by the Philadelphia Flyers. So. I go back to work and I'm kind of thinking like, oh, wow. And it was almost like an instantaneous love affair, right? Because the one thing I didn't really realize is how much I respected them because they did everything they could to win. And when I got drafted, it was almost like a, the light switch went on.
1: Ron Hextall joining us uh, some reflections of his career with the Philadelphia Flyers and a, and a focus here on the 87 playoffs. Of course, the 87 Cup final, Oilers and Flyers being replayed on Sportsnet over the next couple of weeks. So you guys get into the series against Edmonton, and, and you fall behind 3-1, but you come back to force Game 7. Was there like did something uh, flick the switch in that series that you guys came back to tie it, or how do you how do you recollect getting out of the hole to force the seventh game?
0: We just had a never say die attitude. I mean, I don't know if you. We were down, as you mentioned, three to one. We were down by a couple goals, I think, in game five and six, and came back. Our team, it was a really special group. We were beat up. Timmy Kerr was out. Davey and had crack ribs. Mark Howitt had a bad bat. I mean, we were, we were taped together. We were a mass unit because of what we'd went through prior. I think we played 26 out of a possible 28 games, and at that time, you played every other night. It wasn't like now where you have the two days between games. I think the only time we had two days was between six and seven. Um, but it was a it was a battle all the way through and our team was, it was a special group of guys and just our, our attitude and willingness to block a shot and no selfishness. It was just all about winning and, and we believed in ourselves as a group, despite the fact that we might have been playing the greatest team of all time, certainly arguably, and player for player, we didn't match up to them i mean if you start with you know matching their top center with ours and swings and d and everything else i mean it wasn't but we had certainly the best team that i've ever witnessed in terms of getting everything out of everybody
1: yeah okay uh late in game four uh kent nielsen uh the slash i know you were upset at the time well obviously if you slashed him (laughs) but uh, that that play what was going through your mind
0: you know it it's uh it wasn't it wasn't that one thing obviously there's a little bit of frustration we were down um but for two months I know people people kind of laugh when I say this but for two months i I took a lot of um battering um guys were guys were after me um spearing me behind the legs and kicking my feet out from under me and bumping into me and whatnot and it just it was sort of two months of frustration that came out on on one play and and let's remember things were a little different back then if you did that nowadays you'd be in big 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 trouble. I got in trouble but not the trouble I'd be in these days <laughs> <laughs> fair,
1: fair comment uh, you won the con Smythe it's not often the con Smythe winner is from the team that that didn't win the championship I mean now now that you look back does does it mean anything to have that trophy or is it still just like we we did we didn't win the cup and that's all that matters
0: well certainly not winning the cup is the overriding part to the to this day um, what we went through and I mean I can't even explain to you but talk to anyone that played on that team in the the two months and like I said 26 games and uh a little over two days per game, and it was. Uh, we went through a lot. We battled hard the whole year, and to come up short in Game Seven was to this day, like I said, is still the biggest disappointment, probably, probably in my life. Um, but also, obviously, there's a lot of pride in where we took. Like I said, maybe the greatest, the greatest team ever. Um, the Conn Smythe, it, it it means something. But I still remember sitting in the locker room. You know, I don't know if everybody's crying, but I think almost everybody was. And Mike came in, he gave me a few minutes, and then he came in and he said, you you got to come out here. You won the con Smythe, And I, I can honestly tell you I did not want to go out and accept the consmythe.
1: Smythe." Yeah. I, 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 I want to ask you one more, Ron, and, th- and thanks for sharing all these memories. It, just this is really no awesome problem. stuff. You you were an exceptional puck handling goaltender. You you scored goals, and you you weren't the last guy to touch the puck. And then the other team scored on their own net. You shot the puck into the other team's net more than once. And in Edmonton, here the last uh, this season, which I guess is still in progress technically, we we've seen Mike Smith, and there have been so many great puck handlers. You know, how have you enjoyed just seeing what you brought to the game continue to evolve over the years?
0: Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a neat little thing. I think I think uh, years ago I heard Marty Berdouer. His his dad uh, was a photographer, I think, for the Canadians, and he saw me play one night. He said, Marty, you got to see this guy. So you you hear stories like that, and it's it's kind of it's kind of neat. But I do remember when when I was a, a child and my dad was playing, and he played with Jimmy Rutherford in uh, Detroit and Pittsburgh. But I remember in Pittsburgh. I was at practice, I was right on the glass, I was probably seven or eight years old, and I remember seeing Jimmy specifically shooting the puck at the boards, and raising the puck about a foot, and for some reason, that stuck in my mind, and it had a big, it had a big impact on me, obviously, because I still remember it. Um, I don't know really how it evolved, People ask me that all the time, and I don't really know, I do know that. I was on a lot of outdoor rinks in canada by myself with a stick um most days after school i was in my driveway by myself the other kids were probably doing their homework but i was being a bad boy and just shooting on a net for two or three hours by myself so i spent a lot of time with a player's stick and i think it just sort of you know as a goalie you get bored down there sometimes you don't have many shots and you start dishing the puck off and kind of i think how it all evolved
1: yeah well yeah certainly uh one of the the, the many great things about your career hey thanks thanks for doing this and, and again first of all glad to hear you're you're doing well and uh, and all the best to your daughters who are who are in healthcare and helping on helping on the front lines as well we really appreciate you checking in tonight ron
0: yeah i appreciate it right thank you
1: that is Ron Hextall, former goaltender in the National Hockey League, former general manager, of focus on his early days, the 1987 playoffs with the Philadelphia Flyers. Man, that was awesome to catch up with him. A never before told story of Mike Keenan keeping him out of the pregame brawl in Montreal. And he said, hey, why did I slash Ken Nielsen? Corey to Ron Hextall. He was the victim. Guys were poking at him throughout the playoffs. I'm sure a lot of you have a different memory of that, but uh, great to have Ron's perspective for sure. 7.54, quick timeout on Inside Sports. All right, fun stuff tonight. Ron Hextall and Oldell Willis were our guests. If you miss anything, go to the Inside Sports page on 630ched.com or sign up for the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Dave Campbell's the producer of the show. The studio producer is Kellen Kennedy. My name is Reed Wilkins. We're back from 7 to 8 tomorrow night. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great evening. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.